Welcome to yet another episode of Open Door Policy, your favorite Unleash the Gospel podcast, where each week we talk with a different guest from the Archdiocese of Detroit who is living the message of Unleash the Gospel. And today we are blessed to sit down with Father Mario Amore. How are you, Father? I'm doing well today. Thanks for having me. And of course, Danielle Center. How are you, Danielle? Hey, friends. I appreciated that cut against Father Mario's podcast. <laughs> in our, that in wasn't our meant to be a dig, but we'll, oh, okay. uh, we'll, we'll talk about his podcast in a minute. But uh, yeah. Danielle, uh, what's God doing in your life? Maybe this is an obvious one, but I love summertime. I love everything about it. Warm things, sunshine, leaves on trees. So that's my grace is just being a part of this. How about you? Yeah, so masses are starting back up after what seemed like forever not having public mass. And uh, it has been such a grace, even with the different ways we're kind of, you know, with masks and fewer people and social distancing and all that. It's just been a a real joy to be with people um, around God's altar. So I'm super grateful for that. Hey, Father Mario, you ready for some rapid fire questions? Let's do it. Here we go. Number one, what was your first job? Uh, my dad's restaurant. What is the most beautiful church you have visited? I don't know. Sweetest Heart of Mary in Detroit. St. Nice. Aloysius first, but then Sweetest Heart. Sweet. What is the most recent song that you had stuck in your head? Don't Stop Believing. I was thinking about something from the seminary, and that song came in my mind. Good. In which fictional world would you like to live? Narnia. What is your favorite breakfast food? Um, bacon. What was the location of one of your most powerful encounters with God? Uh, a chapel in Irene, South Dakota. Nice. What Bible verse has recently struck you? When uh, Jesus says, not um, come to be served, but to serve. Have you ever met anyone famous? Yes. Amy Grant. She's kind of famous. Yeah. Who is your hero? My hero is my grandfather. Uh, what is the favorite book you've ever read? Uh, the Great Divorce. C.S. Lewis. The Great Divorce is a novel by the British author C.S. Lewis and based on a theological dream vision of his in which he reflects on the Christian conceptions of heaven and hell. What is your favorite item of clothing? Favorite item of clothing? Mm-hmm. Shorts. Okay. Perfect. That's it. Awesome. Great work. <laughs> no, that was great, Father. So tell us a little bit about this place, Irene, South Dakota. I think uh, I think I know where this is, uh, but uh, tell us your your experience there. Yeah. So, um, like you, Father Steve, when we were in the seminary, um, did a thirty day silent retreat uh, at a place called Broom Tree in Irene, South Dakota. It's uh, literally the middle of nowhere, um, and so there, it's this retreat house with kind of farms as far as the eye can see. Um, and so when you're on retreat for 30 days and you're in silence, um, you're, you should be praying basically the whole time. But, um, you know, there, there are certain hours a day kind of dedicated to, to more intense prayer, I guess. So it was, um, yeah, just one of the days in there, one among the 30, um, was doing a holy hour early evening time, probably about four or five o'clock. 
I was just sitting alone in kind of this empty uh, farm chapel church. Uh, it had a beautiful crucifix in it, and not much was happening during that time. But just kind of in this moment, my eyes kind of drifted up towards the crucifix, and um, kind of in in the silence and uh, sort of in the dryness of the prayer too, um, kind of the Lord worked. And uh, I just remember him speaking to my heart and the, the words that were used or the words that I heard were, uh, let me be more for you. As I kind of thought about it and prayed about it, um, kind of my, my image and relationship with the Lord up until that point was um, just kind of, you know, a, a, shaped piece of wood in the form of uh, a man on a wooden crucifix. And this was a symbol of faith. Definitely not as much depth there as the Lord wanted um, or that I wanted. And so that that just became a moment of um, of deeper encounter, like uh, enter into to a true relationship with me. Give give me the time that I want with you. And yeah, so that so that was a moment that. Um, sort of changed my my faith life and my relationship with the Lord. And, you know, the uh, 30-day silent retreat is exactly for that, right? It's meant to kind of put us out of our normal routine and to go um, very deep in our relationship with the Lord. And so, you know, you talk about Irene being the middle of nowhere. I think of it as like it's where people from the middle of nowhere go to get away from people, right? It is so unpopulated um, that it's a great place to encounter the Lord. Um, uh, what kind of restaurant did your dad have? My dad had uh, an Italian restaurant, of course. So he was in business with uh, his father. Um, and so it took kind of different forms throughout their uh, business life together. So it was in different places and, um, kind of specialized in different things at different times. Uh, but yeah, those are kind of some of the fondest memories of my childhood is, is being with my dad, going with my dad to work, um, being with him in the restaurant. Um, I think so that, what did you do? Like just a bunch of odd jobs or were you like the guy who helped make the spaghetti or wipe down tables? What'd you do? Yeah. I mean, there was a, there was kind of a little bit of everything. Um, it was a family affair. So my grandmother worked there. My grandfather was there. My mom was there. Um, and so kind of, you know, as a kid, kind of whatever they were doing, you know, and that they kind of invited me into. Um, so, I mean, I would I would bust tables sometimes. I remember, um, I mean, I was like probably, I don't know, sixth or seventh grade. And like I waited some tables and it was probably against labor laws and things like that. But uh, those <laughs> were fun. It's a family family. Family. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, a little bit of everything, though. Did they have bacon at the restaurant? Of course, always. And tell us about meeting Amy Grant. Um, so when I was at Our Lady of Sorrows, so they do a big uh, prayer breakfast. Um, it's usually in, in, I want to say like in the springtime, maybe May or something. Um, but there's this big prayer breakfast um, in the area and it was held at Oakland University. And uh, so one of the parishioners is like, in, in like the official fan club of Amy Grant. I, di I didn't know that those actually existed, but they do. So she's like in the fan club. She goes to like meetings and things like that. So anyway, Amy Grant was one of the featured speakers at it. So uh, she got us a table and we were like right up front because we were with someone who was 
uh, in the uh, an official fan. That's right. So we met her. We met her afterwards. Got some pictures, and then we were on our way. Danielle, have you met someone famous? We've asked a number of people this this question. I, have Have you met someone? I think I might have said this. I was in the Salt Lake City airport and I saw Tan France walk through. He's like a uh, he's known for fashion on a television show. And I saw him. I knew who he was. He was like glowing. He looked beautiful. And I wanted to say hi because I'm I'm like that. But also the shirt that I was wearing had a bleach stain on it. And I knew it. And I was like, he'll be able to tell even though I'm wearing a sweater. (laughs) So I did not how about you? Uh, um, I met Wayne Gretzky, uh, and that was pretty awesome at uh, at Gordy House funeral, which was here in Detroit uh, a number of years ago. And uh, Wayne Gretzky, the second greatest hockey player ever, was there, and uh, it was a great honor to meet him there. You know what? I would. I am a little bit embarrassed to ask this question, but I'm just going to own this. Who's the first best? Oh, Gordy Howe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so it was like. So it was the two best hockey players in yeah, one it was like spot. LeBron being at Jordan's funeral to okay. you know, talk about it in uh, terms of basketball. You know, okay, the, the, talk about it in terms of soccer. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like Messi being at Pele's funeral. Okay, good, <laughs> I don't even good. know if that's right. Anyway, Father Mario, thanks for uh, thanks for indulging our rapid fire questions. You're very welcome. Father Mario, um, we did mention that you are a priest. Can you tell the little the listeners a little bit about um, where you are right now and where you're serving, how you got there, that kind of thing? Sure, yeah. Um, so I am currently serving at St. Aloysius in downtown Detroit. Uh, so that is the parish. And then we also have um, what's known as St. Aloysius Neighborhood Services, which is an outreach center. Um, out of the parish. And also I oversee St. Dominic Outreach, which is in the Wayne State area uh, or Midtown, uh, Detroit. And so, yeah, I've been there for, it'll be a year in July. And uh, yeah, just just experiencing God in, in uh, many different ways and all the different people um, in the way that we worship together and those who come to us uh, in need as well. How did you hear about St. Aloysius and, and what was your process like beginning to work there? Yeah, so I was acquainted with, or I became acquainted with St. Aloysius uh, several years ago in in two different ways. Um, so when I was probably in my early 20s, uh, I worked with a, uh, a Catholic organization who sends uh, young people into different cities during the summer. So it's called Young Neighbors in Action. Um, so I was on the program staff for them. I was their music and uh, prayer coordinator for the week when when the teenagers came into town. So St. Aloysius was actually one of the the work sites during the week. So uh, I would go down and visit the work sites with with the other uh, team members and and visit the teenagers who were there. Just uh, a great spirit about the place and all the good work that they did. And then also um, I mentioned that I was doing kind of prayer and music for them. I'm a musician as well. And so I would also um, help out with music at different churches on the weekends when they needed someone to fill in. So St. Aloysius, a few times, was one that I would go and uh, play and sing for on, on the weekend. 
So before you became, before you entered seminary, you were uh, a musician. Did you grow up playing music or is that a part of your life um, from an early age? Actually, no. So um, my brother, he started taking piano lessons probably when he was um, probably like fourth or fifth grade. Um, and then, so he, he's more formally trained, um, and I am not. So, uh, I just kind of fake it as I go along. Um, you fake it well, but cause I remember <laughs> in seminary, you would often play for, um, uh, you know, when the, the director of music had the, the day off or for certain events and like, so you're, you're not just faking it, right? You, uh, you kind of know what you're doing. Well, um, yeah, I can fake it. I can fake it. <laughs> um, Good for you. Um, but, so you've been oh, uh, so you've been at Saint Aloysius for about a year. In that time, um, how have you seen God work? How have you felt yourself been stretched? What's going on spiritually? Well, it was my first uh, assignment as what we call an administrator. So um, basically, functioning as the pastor without the official title of pastor uh, that'll come this July. Um, but previous to being at St. Aloysius, I was at two other suburban, large suburban parishes. Um, and I really loved those communities and, and, uh, I liked being there, but even when I was there, I'd always felt, um, just in my prayer that God was calling me to city ministry, uh, in one form or another. And I actually felt that call while I was in the seminary as well as, as I was kind of, kind of thinking and dreaming about what priesthood might look like for me, um, or what God wanted it to be for me. Um, so anyway, while I was at those uh, suburban parishes, getting a lot of experience, um, working with great pastors and being involved in schools, yeah, I still had this, um, just this desire on my heart to to want to be in the city uh, and um, to have more of a connection to the poor. Um, but when I was thinking about it and when I was praying about it, it always was sort of like, well, most of the parishes in in the city, or many of them, um, are run by religious orders. Hmm. Uh, and I'm a diocesan priest. Priest. Um, so uh, I'm attracted to city life as well. So I always thought it would be cool to to live in New York or Chicago or something like that, or or downtown Detroit. And specifically downtown, um, most of the parishes are run by orders. So I thought, well, that's a great thought to have, but probably never going to happen. So I was at at uh, St. Hugo in, in Bloomfield Hills. And I was there for six months and uh, a call came right after Christmas and said, well, the archbishop wants to meet with you. And uh, well, that's it, either really good or really not good. <laughs> I was going to um, ask, were you, were you worried? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was. Uh, Father Grau was, was very kind, though, and said, don't worry, you're not in trouble. I wasn't expecting at all to move again because I'd only been there for right. six months. Um, so... I mean, that's what I thought. I was like, well, he's not going to ask me to move. So I, I'm not really sure. So anyway, I met with the archbishop and uh, he he said that um, the Franciscans were no longer uh, able to uh, staff uh, St. Aloysius. And so um, he he thought I, I would be a good fit there. Um, another cool part of the story is that, you know, he said, um, I'm not I'm not asking you I'm not asking for you to give me an answer right now. I know it's a lot to ask. Um, and so you, you can pray about it. Um, and as I was sitting there with him, I said, you know, actually, Archbishop, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, I thank you for, you know, the confidence you have in me. 
but I want to let you know, like, this is what I have been praying for. So I, so I can tell you that, uh, yes. Um, I don't need more time. I am ready to go now. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of the cherry on top here. So that was a Saturday and I was leaving that evening, uh, with the choir from St. Hugo. They were going to Rome, uh, to sing at St. Peter's for the feast of the epiphany. And so I was going with them. Um, so I went and I couldn't talk with anyone about this because it wasn't public yet. So I was sitting on the plane, you know, for nine hours or whatever. And just, I didn't watch any movies. I didn't listen to any music or anything. I just thought about going, being at St. Aloysius. And, um, so anyway, the first place that, uh, we visited, um, when we got there, the first place that we had mass, um, was the, the church of St. Ignatius. Um, mm. in the church of St. Ignatius is an altar dedicated to St. Aloysius. And so that was, uh, the first place that I prayed, uh, in Rome. Uh, so it's just a special, a special story, how kind of God worked through how God did work through all of it. Um, yeah, my, my time at St. Aloysius has been, has been really, really great. It's a wonderful, uh, community. The Franciscans have done a wonderful job, uh, really connecting the community to service to the poor. And so um, we're champions of that down there. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just really dedicated individuals. And the parish is, is growing because of the, the many people who are, who are coming and moving and working downtown. Um, and so it's just, it's a place that's ripe for evangelization and uh, it's a great place to be. And I'm, I'm really find myself blessed that um, I, I'm able to serve there. So we'll talk about that in a minute, because I do want to get to like this moment being in the city of Detroit and um, kind of being a pastor for the first time and all that. But it, if we could just spend another minute, Father Mario, to talk about your vocation and how you kind of discerned your vocation to the priesthood. Did you think about it when you were when you were younger? Did it come uh, a little bit later in uh, high school or college for you, or, you know, just tell us a little bit about your own discernment to, uh, to the priesthood. Yeah, it definitely wasn't something that I thought about as a kid. Um, so when I tell my vocation story, um, my family is probably just a very typical Catholic family. Um, my parents, you know, sent us to Catholic school, we were blessed to be able to, to go to Catholic school. Um, we went to mass every Sunday. We prayed before meals. Um, but that was that was kind of the extent of our prayer together. I'm sure my parents prayed for my brother and I often. Um, but we, we were never the family who kind of sat around dad's chair and prayed the rosary together. It just wasn't our experience. It wasn't until high school that I started really kind of getting more involved um, in the life of my parish. So I mentioned my brother is a musician. So he actually um, got a job at a very young age as the music director at our home parish, which is Our Lady of the Woods in Woodhaven. And so I would kind of accompany him and I would just kind of be around the church office and being just in the church and around the priest. And then I got more involved in the youth group. And so it was kind of at that moment that I, I really felt that service in the church God was calling me to in in one way or another. Um, I was fairly confident that it was probably the priesthood, but um, I guess I didn't want to admit that <laughs> right away. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I, I took kind of an odd step, which which most, I guess, uh, high school students uh, 
don't do these days, but um, I actually enrolled at the seminary as as a, a guest student in my last uh, semester of high school. And so I took my first class then. Oh, when you were still in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I had to meet with uh, at that Good time. Father, yeah. Father Laginus was now Monsignor Laginus. He was the dean of studies. And so I had to meet with him. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know, 17 year old high school student. Um, yeah, because I, I sort of, I guess I, in my heart, I knew in one at one time, sooner or later, I would enter the seminary. So I just, I kind of wanted to start to get ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I started taking classes. I took classes for two years and then decided to uh, apply to the seminary, was accepted, ready to go, um, and then kind of got cold feet. It was uh, one of those situations where uh, you always think the grass is greener on the other side. And uh, I thought, well, you know, may, maybe I haven't really discerned uh, marriage and family enough. So I kind of I stepped back for a while, then went kind of back into doing music in the church. Uh, did that for two more years, but the the call never went away. God God kept nudging, um, and so it, it was sort of a moment of uh, frustration where I said to myself, "You either have to go and check it out." or you need to just forget about it because you're driving yourself crazy. Yeah. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to apply again. And like, at this point, like I, I did this once and they accepted me and I said, no. So mm. I, I don't even know if they're going to look at the application again, mm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fill it out and we'll see what happens. Um, so I, they, they accepted me. They took a chance. Um, <laughs> And here we are. And, and just for anyone who might be listening, like what, what does the application process look like? Right. If someone is curious, what does that feel Pretty like? Simple, right. It's like a one pager and <laughs> not no, quite. Not. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there's a series of um, questions and things um, kind of that you, you have to talk about on paper. It's a, it's a kind of a, we say it's um it's kind of a mutual discernment always between right. the man and also uh, the seminary. So, so you meet with different um, priests from the seminary with the vocation director. There's uh, there's paperwork that you have to do. There's psychological evaluations. There's physicals and um, all those types of medical things that that you need to do. And then you kind of have people vouch for you, members of your family. You know why why would Mario make a good priest or uh, your parish priest, and then other people that that know you, your friends. Um, so it's it's a it's a it's a process for sure, and you got to do it twice, right? I did. I, did. <laughs> I think I probably copy and pasted some of it though the second time around. <laughs> You're like, I my name is it. the same. Yeah. <laughs> I know we got to get out of this segment, but Father Mario, if you can think back to entering seminary, one of the questions I want to ask you is, what was the biggest surprise when you entered seminary? You had taken classes there. I'm a, I'm assuming you knew a lot about kind of the, you know, you knew a bunch of seminarians and you knew the uh, kind of the, the layout of the place. But did anything particularly surprise you when you started to live the life of a seminarian? I think the the community, the brothers, you know, the brotherhood that that you kind of come into and that you become a part of. Yeah. Um, is. I mean, when you think about the seminary, when you don't live in the seminary, you think about the seminary as kind of a stuffy place and kind of everybody's just praying all the time and really kind of stiff and 
not very interesting. But it's really, it's not that at all. You, you do become a, a, a part of a community of brothers. And uh, I describe it sort of as, as a holy frat house. It's a good place to be. I mean, and so, yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the community. Amen. Thanks, Father Mario. So, Father Mario, you are my pastor when I go to work. Uh, you're the pastor of the area that oversees uh, the chancery, kind of kind of downtown's uh, pastor. Uh, tell me what it was like, like for the first time going from an associate to being a pastor where, you know, I, I imagine never having been a pastor myself, you know, little pity party over here. But anyway, um, I imagine you get this big ring of this big chain of, of keys and like, tell me what, what that was like the first time, like being a pastor. Yeah. Speaking of keys, St. Aloysius is a key to every, every single door has a different key. That was the most frustrating part true, true. of my transition. Oh, oh Danielle, you worked there, right? So you know this I church. I did. In- I had so many keys. And you know what? St. Anne was the same way. I think it's just like ancient churches that have been locked changed like 400 times. Yeah. You literally did have a big ring of keys then. I did. Yep. And if you've, if the listeners have ever been to St. Aloysius, they know that. Um, so we have the most unique church building in the country. Um, it's true. Yeah. So it's three levels and, uh, there's, it's called a well, which is basically a hole in the middle of the church so that you can see all three levels of the church from the altar. So the altar is separated by this well, and then there's more seating on the main level. Um, but anyway, when I got all these keys, um, I got locked on the wrong side of the well, I guess, because there's these gates. And like my mom was on one side because they came to like plant flowers and things. And I was on the other side and I literally didn't have the right key. I don't remember how I got out of there, but that was like the first day of being pastor at St. Aloysius. Um, But it's been all uphill from there. Um, (laughs) It was pretty awesome, you know, making that, that transition. Um, The one thing that, uh, priests learn very, very quickly is that when you're an associate pastor, it's always like, I can't wait for the days where I can be the pastor. Um, and you know, like older priest friends of mine say, we're would say like, you know, just wait, like enjoy these days now, because right now, like you're kind of, you're kind of living large. Like you don't have to make any of the big decisions and most everybody likes you and (laughs) all that kind of stuff. But when you become the pastor, then all the decisions fall to you. And um, then you you remember those days when most everybody liked you, and <laughs> um, it was it was a little bit easier. It is a, a, a real joy just being able to um, envision like where where I feel God, uh, you know, is calling me to to lend my gifts to this community and working with them to. Uh, discern how we do unleash the gospel downtown, how we we reach out to the many different people who make downtown their home. We're, we're unique in that um, St. Aloysius has always been known as a service church, not necessarily Christian service, although that's a part of what we do, but a service church in the sense of we are there for people for kind of the different movements of their week, I guess. 
Um, and so during the week, we serve a specific population for mass. It's the people who, who work down there. And we also serve those who come to us in need. And then on the weekends, we serve many people who come to us from the suburbs who, who have found a home at St. Aloysius, a church in the city. But that that is beginning to, to shift a little bit because downtown is becoming residential. So we're, we're learning what that means to be, um, you know, a, a true a true parish with people who who do live and and want to be invested more than just at a certain point in the week. Although we do continue to to reach out to all those different people. Was there anything when you um, when you started there? Uh, like, what what was one of the great joys you talked about being the guy who's got to make the decisions and uh, kind of the the buck stops with you? What was what was kind of a joy of the spiritual fatherhood of being a, a new pastor? The, the generosity of people. Um, I have, uh, you know, firsthand knowledge of all the different people who who support, especially the the, the different outreach ministries that we do, um, and so the, the many benefactors who who will send uh, send in donations month after month, um, mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm really edified by uh, those people who who I know, um, you know, struggle financially, but will send in sometimes $2, sometimes $5. Um, and just, I'm always very moved by that, that, that they um, are so convicted in, in the work that the church does and is called to do, and they want to be a part of it um, in any, in any way that they can. Um, so that's, that's one aspect. The other aspect is just seeing, seeing how dedicated people are to the church, especially a church in the city, you know, uh, most churches in the city are smaller communities. And so there's people really are a family and they really look forward to, to gathering together uh, to celebrate mass as a family. And so I, I'm, I just, I find a lot of joy in that and being part of that, a community life that might be um, kind of missed uh, in, in some of the larger parishes, not always, but sometimes. But everyone would know everyone there, right? I mean, it's as you said, it's kind of a, a tight knit community um, that people would would really get to know each other, and, and right. you would get to know everyone. Exactly, exactly, and that's what makes it, um, it. It's a very hospitable parish too, and so because everybody knows everybody, when somebody that we don't know comes, um, it, it's sort of. A, a receiving line for them, a receiving line of welcome, which uh, right. I, I'm always really proud of as well. Yeah. So you came from a large, wealthy suburban parish, right? Um, cool. Where do you see, like, where do you see maybe disconnect and where do you see places where bridges can be built, right? Because we're all the same church community. So where do you wish that um, there was more collaboration and dialogue? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what what separates us um, the most is, is just the resources. And and there are, mm. um, you know, you mentioned that I did come from, I, I did serve at uh, one of the wealthier parishes in the diocese. Um, but they were also a parish who who tithed, um, even even to this day, um, you know, um, Shout out to Monsignor Toko at St. Hugo. He, he's made it a part of his, uh, 
the life of the parish to to tithe their income. And so when I was an associate there, I, I would I would see and I would sign the checks for all the different organizations that they support. Um, and so that bridge was there. That financial bridge was there um, with with that parish specifically. What we need to to work on though is um, not just the financial resources, but the human resources. Getting getting people into the city, um, getting people into into um, real service, not just um, you know supporting financially, um, but but also kind of meeting meeting our brothers and sisters who are in need. And there are, there are you know I, I don't want to say that that's not being done at all because it is, but right. Um, and that, that's what I hear from from suburban communities that that they do want to give their parishioners the opportunity to do that, and so it's it's on our part making that platform available for people, and that's something that we're going to be working on here uh, in in the near future. I think it's interesting because there's also um, like something that I encountered when I was working in a city parish was like well-meaning people who would do what I what I would call like I don't know maybe like missionary tourism right we can say that right like mm-hmm. like they'd call and be like hi I want to help at this day at this time and do this thing and it's like like I want to show up at uh 10 a.m on Tuesday and do a soup kitchen and it's like well our soup kitchen's in the evening because people here work so there was like a disconnect right between right. between being helpful where it was and and I've been thinking about all of this through like um the George Floyd stuff um I think one thing that is really important is like frankly long-term accompaniment and that's scary right that's super it's like oh my gosh commitment who wants it? But um, it's there's. I mean, like I think that you know financial support is super key. But there's also the the importance of like you know ministry is so much about showing up, right? Being present, hanging out with people, listening to their stories. So right. I know you guys do a great job at that. But it's something I don't know. It's something that I'm thinking about too a lot at this time. We want to give people the chance, you know, like I mentioned, to to get to get their hands dirty. You know, it's not just about um, it's not just about coming and doing an act, but it's about establishing some sort of of relationship with people and and um, letting like people. What we find downtown is is people um, want to know and need to know uh, that they're loved and that they're cared about, and we can do that on on a certain level in a limited way, but our, our goal is to be able to do that even better. And so right. uh, we need people uh, to help us in that. Um, and, and so many people are so very generous to us. Um, God has really blessed us, especially over this, um, during this time of pandemic. I mean, people have really come out of the woodwork to support us and, and we so, so greatly appreciate that. Um, but there's always ways in which, again, we, we need those, um, those volunteers and those human resources to help us in our mission. Yeah. So Father Mario, let me ask you the city of Detroit, especially your area around St. Aloysius is, has been changing over the last five years. Like you mentioned this a lot more kind of young people moving into the uh, redeveloped um, apartments and uh, condos and townhouses. Uh, 
in that area. Um, you've been there a little over a year. What opportunities do you see, like within your parish, kind of boundary or or around that, for that kind of, um, you know, bringing together people in the city who have lived there a long time, you know, mostly African American, and then a, a newer kind of generation, maybe people more your age who are who grew up in the suburbs or other places, and have have moved into the city. How do you see that playing out at St. Al's? I think um, again, the, the pandemic has has bore some fruit for us. It's been it has been a time of grace because um, we do have those the younger people um, as part of our parish and and who want to be involved and or who are checking us out. And we know that for uh, young adults, young people, especially, one of the ways in which they they want to be uh, get more active in their faith is through outreach. So through some sort of uh, form of Christian service. So when the pandemic began, you know, I immediately reached out to them because on Washington Boulevard or in the, in the immediate vicinity of St. Aloysius, there are more than 800 senior citizens. So there are several senior citizen um, residences on Washington Boulevard. And so we see them um, as every parish should, whether they're registered or not, whether they're Catholic or not, as our parishioners. And so they know that they can come to us for, we have a full-time nurse, um, we offer food. And so whatever they need, they're, they're able to come to us. And so as word gets out, those numbers are beginning to, to increase. Um, but anyway, the, the, the real uh, way that we are con- were able to connect people was to um, pair one of the younger people with one of the senior citizens. So I have people um, you know, who, who are calling and checking up on them, who are going grocery shopping for them. Uh, one, uh, some of them ha- have met for socially distanced walks. Um, and now what's really beautiful to see is that these senior citizens are starting to reach, reach back out and checking on the young adults. Uh, and so that is it's so just, sweet. Yeah. It's like, like the stories are, uh, I have several stories about those kind of relationships being established. Um, and which benefits our community, obviously, because it, it, it benefits not only the, the, the physical community that we're in, but also the parish community, too. Because when we when everybody is, is back at mass together, those relationships um, have been formed, even though we've all been away from each other. Can you share one of your favorite stories with us? Yeah, one of them um, actually... Uh, was somebody who works with uh, Father Steve. So Laura is one of the associate superintendents. She lives downtown. Um, and she was the one who um, was calling in to check on uh, one of the, the senior citizens. Um, and and that senior asked her if she wanted to meet up for a walk, and, and they did that. And then, again, the senior citizen keeps, keeps calling and checking on her, and uh, <laughs> we'll leave her little messages on her voicemail. And she shares those with me. So it just, yeah, just really sweet. That is really we'll, sweet. We'll have to have Laura on here sometime because uh, she moved from, from Nebraska here uh, to Detroit and moved downtown. And it's just kind of, it's been wonderful to see someone who doesn't know the city of Detroit um, through, you know, to see it through her eyes as kind of a, a new person moving into the city and seeing kind of the beautiful parts when obviously nationally Detroit has kind of a, a negative perception. And so um, mm-hmm. that 
I love that story partly because I've loved to see kind of Laura fall in love with this city. Yeah. Coming soon uh, <laughs> to a podcast near you. That's like a threat. We should we should warn her. Um, you know what, Father? As we as we come to a close, we usually uh, ask our guests if they have any closing um, words or something to share with the listeners. Would you be so kind? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, there, there's a lot that's obviously going on in in our country, in our world right now, and uh, in our city. Um, and just having been downtown again for um, almost a year, uh, it, it's such such a beautiful place to be, and um, uh, it, it's 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 very peaceful. It's a it's it's a neighborhood feeling. Um, at least that's what I have kind of now being, being part of the community, kind of being, being the priest in the community. Um, people are so very kind, um, and, and they're looking for, uh, to love and to be loved. And so I, I invite anybody, anybody who would like down, um, not just to St. Aloysius, obviously you're always welcome. Um, but, but just to come down and, and, and see what's happening in the city, um, See the changes that that are are being made for the better. See the growth, um, and also see see what what we're called to continue to be a part of to change, um, because the Catholic Church has to be a presence there. Um, and I'm happy that I can be a part of that, and I invite you to be a part of it too. Hey, uh, so we're we're not going to let that be the last word because I told you we would talk about your podcast for a minute. Oh, and so right. just tell our <laughs> listeners about your podcast and how they can hear it. Sure. So um, the podcast is called uh, Certifiably Catholic um, because all three of us on it are baptized. And so we thought that would be a good name for it because we racked our brains about it. Um, yeah, that's great. <laughs> figure it out. Um, so I, I'm on with uh, Mary Wilkerson and, and Mike Chamberlain. Um, so they were drafted for the Eyes on Jesus podcast too. Uh, I'm not bitter about it, but yeah, I was uh, ask, do you feel do you feel left out or I support okay? them? Um, but no, it's just again very conversational um, on what's happening in the world and a Catholic perspective on it. Um, so from a perspective, we say of a stay-at-home mom, uh, a Catholic priest. That's me. And uh, I got a married man who works for the church. And so we try to give uh, just kind of our thoughts, opinions on things. And uh, we're, we've all been friends for a while. And so, so it's always a fun time when we're, when we're able to get together. Um, so we've been doing it about once a month. Um, it's about time to do one again. And you can find it uh, everywhere that you can find podcasts. And check it out. I, I enjoy it very much. So thanks, Father Mario, for being an awesome guest. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so grateful to uh, Father Mario Amore for being on Open Door Policy, sharing with us his own faith journey, his journey to the priesthood, and how God is leading him as pastor of St. Aloysius in downtown Detroit. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your Trader Joe cashier. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit. 
Any questions you have about it? Is that it? Are we done? I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy.